Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. I'm Jennifer. Uh, and we're here this evening for a less festive but still slightly festive episode uh, of Welcome to Horror. Um, uh, so we are here this evening to discuss uh, 1972's Amicus classic, Tales from the Crypt. Um, but before we get into that, Chris, have you had the opportunity to watch anything in the last week? I have. I have watched something. This was a recommendation from a wonderful man. This was Blackadder's Christmas Carol. Hey, <laughs> hey. Have you seen that? I haven't, no. And I definitely wow. should have. Now, having watched some Blackadder, I can't say I've watched every single episode, but I've definitely seen at least a few episodes from the different seasons. And it's, this is great because obviously it turns it on its head and you're like, what well, is lovely? What's going on? You know, and <laughs> all throughout is is wonderful. And then, yeah, it's it's just great the way it then shows him how really to to do well in life you've got to be awful. And then you're like, oh, it's funny, you know, it's funny throughout. And at the end, it's like, yeah, that's good. And then of course, there's another twist finally because it's- it can't just end nice for him, can it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird because I've. I've thinking about it it feel it has the same weird feeling that you get with in doctor who regeneration stories like the first like the, a doctor's first episode they're all over the place and they're meant to be mm. shook up so they're not themselves mm. things get to a really bad point and then snap they're going to be they are the doctor they're going to be oh well, they take it on and, and it's like yeah and then it's like the punch the air moment and that is what you mm. get with Blackadder's Christmas Carol when you've had to sit there and watch poor Blackadder get shat on all the way through. And yeah. then it's like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> when he just turns, it's... Yeah, I mean, the round of applause for chucking an urchin out of a window. Oh, <laughs> just, it, I've se- I must have seen that 25 times and it, it still makes me belly laugh every single time. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. We watch it now, don't we? And it's just hilarious. (laughs) Such good timing. It's just perfect. And of course, it it does go with tonight's episode because it's about, you know, being evil and what can happen to you if you're evil. (laughs) And it's kind of an anthology film. Yeah, that's true. Because you get the little segments. Yeah. So, like, little contained stories with a wraparound story. So it is, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah, I never thought of it that way before, but it is. It is an anthology episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm being convinced this might be the way to do every single film from now on. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Yeah, so you're coming round to our way of thinking I'm, now. I'm on on my anthology honeymoon at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you catch up with anything else? Uh, no, that was me. Uh, due to Christmas, uh, trying to teach two children, trying to do some work. Yeah, that was. That was me this week. No, and very enjoyable well. it was. Excellent. Good, good. It'll get you in a festive spirit. Um, Definitely. Adam, what have you watched yeah. in this past week? Um, well, uh, obviously this is, like you said, this is our um, kind of still a Christmas episode, but it's going to go out after Christmas. It might not. Or, or just <laughs> after Christmas. I might thing. get it out just in time for Christmas and they'll miss an episode. Ooh. Oh, okay. But it will have that right feeling because we've got that little, because it's one, obviously one part of 
Tales from the Crypt since the first bit, where it's like that'll be a little bit of hangover from Christmas, and then you've just got the rest of the film to enjoy as it is. Yeah. And yeah, I <laughs> so I have watched it's a Christmas film uh, called Await Further Instructions. Um, it's I think I'm sure I've watched it on Netflix, so I think it's on there. Yeah. Um, I've, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure I saw it somewhere. T- like to buy like Amazon Prime you can rent it or whatever like that but I'm sure it's on Netflix and um, yes yeah, a British film it's I think 2018 so it's pretty it's pretty recent um, and basically uh, this bloke goes back to have Christmas dinner with his family who he's estranged from because he doesn't get along with them and um, so already you've got that element of a Christmas film. And um, <laughs> so he, yeah, so he goes back with his Asian girlfriend and they, um, they rock up there and his, the mum is just a nervous wreck. Who's just keeping all shit together to try and keep everyone happy. Um, there's his pregnant sister and her like absolute dickhead, uh, fella i mean he like just a proper he's basically like a bodybuilder with no personality and he's just yeah and um and the dad is a like really tight middle class um christian and he's a prick with it and the granddad's a good old-fashioned racist so you know interesting so so you watch you got the mix there you watch them all come together, so it has. It's almost that bit. Almost has the feel like the dinner at in Kill List or something like that. It's just they sit mm. down to dinner. It's an increasingly strained Christmas day, and it's like, oh, this is fucking horrible. <laughs> and so the uh, the main guy, like the main couple, say, right, fuck it, we'll get up really early and just go. It's been a disaster. Let's just write it off. We've we've turned up and made good, but fuck it. And then they try and get out and they find that there is like a hard plastic resin substance over the front door and all over mm. the windows. And they're completely trapped in the house. Wow. And all, all the, none of their phones work. The phone line, the landline's dead. Uh, they can't get any internet connection. The only thing that they get is instructions on the TV. But is it teletext? Does that come back? <laughs> it, it, that's the thing. It looks like teletext. Wow. Which no, in I a don't. weird way kind of makes you think, yeah, if you if it was that if it was that fucked a problem where everything's this is the main method of communication, it probably yeah. would still be clunky. And so yeah, so they're just sort of sitting there and then basically it's oh, there's a plague. So you've got to isolate. And then suddenly down the chimney comes a pack of needles. And it just, and the telly just says, inject yourself. Is this what our country's going to come to? Yeah. I'll tell you what, watching it, watching it, the fact it was made like sort of two years back. Before, yeah. Yeah, before this, it's really pertinent in that sense. Mm. The tru- I mean, the thing is that the film has much more of a thing about, in the end, it's about like communication is the, or, you know, 
sounding more and more uh, like our government, Adam. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it's, but, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely worth a watch. It's definitely a Christmas one. If you're pissed off with Christmas, it's a very good Christmas one. Excellent. That's in, the, in, the, in the sense of it's a shit Christmas uh, that gets fucking shitter. Um, so I've just seen that the family is called Milgram. Is that anything to do with the psychologist? I would not know, to be honest, Chris. I don't know, to be, uh, to be fair. Electric shocks in the film at all, Adam? Mm. There, there is. Uh, well, I mean, electricity plays a big part of it, and by the end, by the end of the movie, because you, it's it feels a bit like something like, say, Pontypool, mm. where it's that sort of it's a small isolated thing. You could have possibly yeah, you what's could have going filmed on? it in lockdown. Yeah. Because you've only got like the family that are there, like the extended family. Uh, so there's only like sort of what seven characters, like eight or characters in the whole mm. thing. And then just at the end, it suddenly turns into like, I don't know, a dodgy David Cronenberg, Tetsuo the Iron Man. Hellraiser 2 hybrid which you know which in terms of just like the the film that you've watched it's like suddenly you're in like hardware or something like that and you're like fucking hell this is taking a turn and yeah and it is it's it's very good like I say it's pretty like all the way through it's pretty harsh because obviously you've got the opening where they don't get along but then the whole point of it is as they argue between themselves about, well, I'm not injecting myself with that. Look, this needs mm-hmm. to be used. And, you know, they're going, well, yeah, but the telly said that you've got to do it. And it's like, who do you... Well, that's, that does sound like the experiments then, the authority experiments that he ran. It probably is, in which case, yeah. I would think so. Because, yeah, how yeah. do you know what you should do? You're told to do something, but do you do it? Oh, is like, it doesn't so seem is, like a great idea. But So yeah. was, was Milgram the guy who did... Um, he, it was you were administering electric shocks. Yeah, that's it. And people went up to lethal dose, basically. Yeah. And they had a if guy told to by an authority. Yeah. yeah, because a guy because a guy with a clipboard tells you. Yeah, yeah. that's as well, Adam. That was the important part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that that's yeah, well, no, it, definite, definitely. This definitely that, sounds like a watch. This is yeah. definitely an influence on this film, I would mm. say. In which case, so it's yeah, it's worth a watch. Like I say, some t- some of it's. Some of it's a bit heavy-handed. Some of it's a bit bleak. Um, and, well, overall, it's a, it's a lot bleak. But well, it's got a kind of happy ending. Um, yeah. I was going to say, it doesn't my... quite sound like a Lee film. <laughs> it may not be, apart from how extraordinary it gets at the end. At the end, yeah. So skip skip to the last yeah. ten minutes. Yeah. And I, I definitely. I mean, that's the thing. Is I think this is one of those films that you watch all the way through but if you missed the dinner scene you would still be drawn in yeah mm. and because that's the thing is, is that you you know from the off who doesn't like who and mm. who's who's a piss pot and who, you know what i mean so it's um yeah but it's no it's definitely definitely worth a watch mm-hmm. um and as i say it's a christmas film yeah so <laughs> it could be added to the it can be added to the list of uh, Christmas horror films. Excellent. So. Sounds good. Fantastic. Jennifer. Yes. Anything you'd like to talk about? A bit nearer the microphone, maybe? Oh, maybe a bit nearer the microphone, indeed. Yes. 
Um, well, today, in fact, we uh, listened to, rather than watched, going old-fashioned, uh, on Radio 4, it was The Haunting of M.R. James with uh, mm-hmm. Mark Gattis. Or Gattis. He gets very upset. Does he? Sorry. He does. Sorry, Mark. Um, yeah, he gets really annoyed if you say gate it. Yes, yes, <laughs> I imagine he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so he plays the M.R. James role. Um, and it was clever because it used parts of M.R. James's stories, but only as the kind of in part, and then there's a whole kind of main story that's going on that's obviously been written sort of separately. But um, yeah, it was very well done, I thought. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't quite sure what to expect when you said it was a fictional story about M.R. Jones. Mm. But yeah, it's kind of, it's the idea that something is happening in his real life, which is causing him to write some of the stories. So the things, that the, the haunting that's occurring in his life is shaping some of his famous story. And yeah, it, it was really it's good. Clever, thought, yeah, 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 very well done. Yeah. Mm. So well worth checking out. Indeed, yes. Are you doing that one? No, no, go on. Oh, I can do it. I was like, good, excellent. Krampus. We've just rewatched Krampus. <laughs> and I forgot Yay. how much I love it. Because <laughs> it's been on the Christmas list of about 20 odd things. And I've kept moving it down the list. And I've kept moving it. And then eventually I was like, yeah, all right then. And yeah, I forgot how hilarious. Well, thinking it wouldn't be as, as much fun as it is. Yes, I think that's it. I remembered it as a horror film. Yeah. And actually, it's more comedy really than just, horror. Um, great entertainment. Who was in it as well? All the different actors mm. who are very good in it. So uh, yeah. yes, definitely needs to go top of the Christmas list next year. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you you saying that uh, that's another way that I would have described await further instructions if I thought of it. Mm. It's very much that vibe, you know. In okay. not not the comedic thing, but the family vibe. You know, where it's yeah. like they all mm. come together, but it's like yeah. different people you know they're just yeah and it's just not working yeah excellent um so we watched a couple of ghost stories for christmas Um, yeah uh but we've uh we've covered those on previous episodes so i won't go too much into that but just to encourage everyone to go and get involved go on adam can i ask did you watch a warning to the curious with peter vaughn no Right, no, don't worry then. I was okay. just going to say that Dr. Black in that, I found out today, was 35 when he filmed that. Okay. You know, the, the guy from um, Keeping Up Appearances? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blimey, he was 35. Really? Yeah, he was 35. He was younger than us, Lee, <laughs> when he made that film. Wow. <laughs> Did he not know? I know. Us, then, is that what you're saying? <laughs> just, I'm just thinking hard life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's funny that you mentioned that because the thing that I'd like to bring up um, is that Jennifer and I have just spent today uh, following the MR James radio play. We just listened to two more radio plays, um, which were part of the Warning to the Curious Ghost Story Festival, which was taking place for the last week. Um, And uh, so it's actors from the Uncanny Collective. Um, mm-hmm. who I've not heard of before. Uh, but, yeah, they're a, a theatrical group who specifically do horror stuff. Um, mm. I was kind of gutted because today was the last day and the two stories that were on today I, we were, were the ones we were mm. particularly interested in. So we purchased tickets and watched those online. It was like a, a Zoom stream. Nice. Um, yeah. Oh, and they were both incredible. 
And I was like, mm. oh man, we missed five days. Of this. Should have seen all the others. Yeah. We've gotten involved. Um, <laughs> so today's were, so it was Haunter in the Dark, the HP Lovecraft story, read by Hugh Laloon. Um Yeah, it was really good. It was a, it was a straight reading of the story, but yeah, really good, really mm. atmospheric. Yeah. Went really well. Uh, and then the second was The Rose Garden, the M.R. James story. But Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, but rather than a straight rereading of the short story, it was brought up to date and adapted. Um, nice. So it was the story of a couple who have moved into the village um, and they didn't really fit in and felt kind of awkward. And it was all the, the kind of their situation. Um, again, it was, it was all read from one person's perspective. Um, but yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, and that was uh, Catcher Quist who, who read that one. Um, yeah, again, like both of them were fantastically performed. Um, yeah, and I'll definitely be keeping an eye. I've started following them on Instagram so I can keep up to date with what they're up to because if they do anything like this again, I'll, I'll definitely be interested. Mm. It was really good. It was really Yeah, really I'd quite like to see that. Yeah, mm. it was fantastic. So, so how, how does it work? So, so you're watching them on the stream and that they're sitting there yeah, reading. reading it essentially. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the second, the, the woman who did the Rose Garden, it was much more like she wasn't sort of reading it from a book. She presumably mm, had it okay. on the screen, but she was yeah. kind of acting it, yes. um, mm. playing the part. Whereas the previous one was, yeah, more of a sort of straight reading in sort of M.I. James kind of style, I suppose, wasn't it? Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, Did they have like the room themed? And they're dressed up. And, they're obviously in or, their own homes. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Had a bit like you. She obviously got a cupboard with very plain okay, rooms, yeah. Um, Whereas the guy had like a nice mantelpiece and candles on it. And he had a fire okay. going yeah. in the background. But, you know, but essentially it's their skill of reading it. That, yeah. yeah. It's obviously all done, mm. you know, in isolation, isn't it? As everyone is. At the yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Really well done. But it's, it's just interesting to see yeah, how, you know, how well someone can make use of the technology to, mm. to sort of achieve something that they would yeah they wouldn't otherwise be able to yeah it's really good it's, it's trying to get that atmosphere over when yeah they, you know you've got no props you've got no it's one person just reading mm. um, and although although we went to the mr james ones before mm. uh the hemingford gray ones uh, hemingford gray yeah um yeah and they were amazing uh, but a lot of that uh, not to take away from the guys acting obviously which which really added to it but you are in mm. the right surroundings, you know, you're sitting in a thousand year old building by candle. Yeah. It's got that whole, whereas trying to get that atmosphere over when you're watching it over a webcam mm. or someone on Zoom. I did think after mm. we watched them, we probably should have sort of put candles on and perhaps. Yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they did a fantastic yeah. job. Yeah, really, yeah. really good. You in, Excellent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on them. We suggest everybody else do the same. Mm. Sure. So, without further ado... Uh, we're done. <laughs> yeah, this evening's main movie, uh, Tales from the Crypt. So, Chris, with your first time watching this, what did you make of it? Yeah, so this was another one. I thought, 1972, I've heard of Tales from the Crypt. Mm. Um, I'm sure you both have mentioned it enough times. I think I'd heard of it previously as well. But yes, yeah, so I didn't actually know what to expect. I, I'm sure you did mention that it was an anthology, but again, didn't really remember that. But started off and just from the start, um, I think it helped. 
initially what, what was the song it was a uh, bark ah uh, uh, yes the, the oh, yes and it's you it is arguably you could say it's overused i mean it's it's been used a lot but still i love it so it was like okay this is great this is already fun straight away um yeah and just uh, yeah i think i would say overall i was thinking of the word charming there was something about all yeah. of this that was just very it was almost like it was kind of easy to watch enjoyable mm. um yeah just everything about it was great um until the last one and that <laughs> was not quite so <laughs> easy to watch that was starting to get into a what was it almost felt like it was a bit of a an early saw kind of a yeah you know <laughs> like just the the setup was yeah, I was like, where, where is this going? I mean, I, I had a sense of it, but it's like, all right, this is, are they going to go as far as they do? Anyway, so, but yeah, I just thought it was great. And, uh, um, yeah, so it seems to me it's, it's all about people. Um, you think they're being shown what's going to happen um, and they've been evil or, you know, like they've done things wrong and and I suppose it's trying to teach you to, to be aware of things you might do wrong and avoid doing it. But yeah, no, it's great. And I just say, I love um, anthologies now. I just think that's a really good way to do a film. Mm. Um, arguably, yeah, not every film should be, but there are certainly all the ones we've watched have been fantastic. Um, so, and then, of course, I also realised, uh, I think it was on the second one, Peter Cushing was in it. Um, I didn't uh, immediately yeah. recognise him at first. Yeah. And then, yeah, after seeing him a few, in a couple of scenes, I realised, oh, yeah, that is him. That's a slightly different um role that i've seen him play previously and and again he turns into a monster which was great or, or zombie um so yeah so i recognize him and also there was the i think the actor in the first one uh, i couldn't think who it was but i, I was like I've, I've seen her many times throughout my life <laughs> it was joan collins, yeah. joan collins. But i was trying to think i could not actually think of seeing her in another film i don't know what, what else is she in that i might have seen well, she was it, was. it was Dynasty. Was she Dynasty? Oh. Yeah, she was Alexis in Dynasty. She was basically, right. she was basically the the mother figure for drag queens oh. throughout the eighties. She was just like, <laughs> yeah. like the wicked queen character in Dynasty. Yeah, um, but she was in, uh, and she was in um, American Horror Story very recently. Oh, okay, uh, she oh, was in um, Apocalypse. Uh, playing mm. much the same sort of a character yeah. of just a, a heartless bitch. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, she she um, does that well. Well, the weird thing was... I... Oh, yes! <laughs> yeah, Claire's just reminded me. And recently in a Mars bar advert. <laughs> oh. she basi basically, <laughs> it, it's a locker room full of men getting changed with her in the middle of it, just having a go at everyone going, right, who's had my towel? And then someone says, oh, no, it's not a Miles. Is it a Miles or is it Snickers? Yeah. I think it's Snickers. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. someone says, right, have a, have a Snickers. Why? Because you're a right diva when you're, when you're hungry. And okay. then she eats it. And then next thing you know, she's just a bloke with a towel around her shoulders. Like, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so and they, did, they did other ones of those. Yeah. So, um, yeah, possibly not weird. He saw it because that's drawn blanks from it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but she's she's in the film Empire of the Ants, which is a giant ant film, which erroneously 
gets credited with the line from The Simpsons where Kent Brockman says, I, for one, welcome our new insect uh, world. Yeah. yeah, for some reason, people claim it was from that film, but it's not at all. It's The okay. Simpsons original. But she used to do, um, around the around the sort of early like early parts of her career, like 60s and 70s, she did do quite a few sort of horror films and slasher, uh, not slasher, but what, I don't know, like sort of murderer films, like, you know, the uh, kind of, I'm trying to think of the kind of example, but I can't, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, kind of proto-slasher type stuff where it's just a, a guy with an axe going around killing people. Um, mm. Pretty much, you know, in a similar vein to this one. But, um, but she's also in... Another great anthology called Tales That Witness Madness. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's another that's another high point. We are gonna have to cover that one day. Yeah. Mostly oh, yeah. because because anthologies fucking rule. Um mm. and um oh I've and I've just got uh, Black Friday, I ordered it from Severin Films, shat myself because I thought it's never gonna come, is it? Because the post is utterly fucked. And mm. I've lost about four different things that I'm I've ordered from like abroad, like from America, never seen the damn thing. And, um, but I thought I can't miss the opportunity because they did it as a Black Friday exclusive on Blu ray, uh, Tales of the Uncanny, which is a documentary, a Zoom documentary about anthology films, like all anthology oh, films. Right. Uh, and people on, like some of the talking heads in there include uh, Richard Stanley, who did uh, Color Out of Space. Mm. um and and mark gatis and um yeah just like a lot of a lot of really cool people talking about some very cool films i have not watched it yet but oh and it came with it came with an extra disc which was two early anthology films i think one's french one's german one of them i believe is silent as well so it's quite it's like sort of 1920s and i think the other one's 40s but mm. yeah, and I didn't even realise. I was just taking. I was just like, yeah, I'm having that because that documentary sounds incredible. And yeah, I've ended up with two films to uh, two new films to watch as well. So that's nice. yeah, nice. that's very good. But yeah, so we we need to do that. Um, famously, she was Fontaine in The Stud and the Bitch. That was where she was before Dynasty was really what made her famous. But she did play a character called Polyester Poontang. In Can Hieronymus Merkin Ever Forget Mercy Hump and Find True Happiness, which is a um, which is a film I have actually tried to see because um, it's, it. kind of like, it's kind of like the, the film spin-off of um, mm. uh, The Strange World of Gurney Slade, which was a very fucking surreal, weird 60s uh, comedy film, uh, comedy TV series. So I have tried to see it, but yeah, when I discovered that she's polyester poontang, I thought, what, what, what a lovely name! What this is that is very old. That's like that's sixty-seven or something oh, like God. that. It's quite. It's when you quite say early you've tried to see it, Adam, do you mean you can't find it anywhere, or it's that bad that you started watching it? <laughs> I, and I think up? it's that. No, I think it's that bad that I can't find it anywhere. Right. In so much as all the people who really like the series have probably seen it, and it's like. Is it worth getting out? No, <laughs> but, um, but you know, I'm I'm still intrigued. But it's because um, the city is um, there's a, there was a singer called Tony Newley, who um, David Bowie originally ripped off. That was the first person that he wanted to be, and which is why he sang in a Cockney voice. 
because ah. that's what Tony Newley does. But this, but he, he did like this six part series that makes the prisoner look like fucking doctors. You know, <laughs> like, it's yeah, it's just very strange, like weird sitcom. So I'm kind of interested to see the film, but equally it is called that, and characters clearly have. I don't know, generously... <laughs> you can't call it a double entendre, really, can you? No, not, no, that's <laughs> You know, so that's, that's one of those ones where it's like, uh, and so what's the main the character's like? Harold Cunt. Nice. Yeah. yeah so, maybe, yeah, I can see yeah, why this that's possibly that. disappeared in history. Yeah, yeah, I'm beginning to suspect the subtlety might not be its strong suit. <laughs> um, well, so I wasn't expecting to hear about that when we were talking yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so so Jennifer sat down to watch this with me. Um, loves uh, uh, as we all do anthology horror and Amicus particularly. Uh, didn't realise we got about two segments in, and she went, "I've definitely never seen this." And I was like, "Oh my mm. god, I'm so jealous right now. Have you seen it for the yeah. first time?" Yeah, I was like, "Why haven't I seen it?" You know, I like <laughs> anthologies. You've had this on DVD for how many years? Oh, ever. And I've never watched it. And the amount of times we go, oh, there's nothing to watch. See, and you have that sitting it's up here all along. It's because it's so perfect for you to watch. I was convinced you must have seen it. Yeah. Must have seen it, yeah. But, I can't have not shown you. No, surely. and yet you've shown me the other one that's on the other disc. So the other... In the same pack. I've got this in a pack <laughs> with uh, Vault of Horror, which Horror. I watched the following night. Um mm. And, that, and we should cover we should cover Vault of Horror soon as well. The first yeah. two stories in that are two of my favourite all time anthology yeah. shorts. They are absolutely unbelievable. Hmm. See, uh, I prefer that this watch through, but I don't know if it's because I've seen that one before. So there's that element of familiarity. Whereas watching this the first time, perhaps you need another watch or so to appreciate. I mean, I liked it very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, or unless, unless you were comparing to that one, because for me, this one really worked. Now, obviously, when I watch Vault of Horror, then I, I'll be able to say. But, but yeah, like in this, I, I loved the little twists throughout, and yeah, just yeah, just Ooh. the style of it, the tone of it, just and and it has not aged as much as I tend to expect yeah. from older films. and it's an interesting thing as well that. Um, because this is all based on stories from EC Comics. Yeah. So, mm. so some of these like stories originally were from the 30s and 40s. Oh right. Okay. So, like, so yeah, so all all of the stories, all of the stories in this have were adapted from the old comic. Now, EC mm. Comics was um, was quite a big. It was like a big um, company. And they had a lot of horror titles, and they had uh, Vault of Horror. They had Tales from the Crypt, and what was the other one? Uh, the Haunt of Fear. And they all had that same sort of thing, like you get with Creep Show, where it's like a central figure in like in this, the Crypt Keeper, who is mm. the, who was the sort of presenter, if you like, in the EC comic Tales from the Crypt, and um, but what happened was is that this was essentially they're the reason why superheroes became the dominant force in comics because they used to do that originally they were called um i think it was ec was educational comics but i think they changed to something like extraordinary 
yeah or something like that or yeah excellent or something like that so it was like yeah excellent comics and but they used to do they did this was back when you could buy like the american comics market was like the japanese comics market where there was a greater scope of stories so you would and ec published westerns they published horror anthologies they published war comics like sort of you know world war ii world war one stuff like that um and basically there was a, there was a book called the seduction of the innocent in which someone claims that the reason that society was collapsing and all the kids were chewing gum and slashing cinema seats was because they'd all read these terrible comics where people died, and particularly the horror comics, because obviously they were very yeah. macabre and blah, nice. blah, blah. Totally makes sense. And, yeah. and mm -hmm. basically run all of... They basically brought in a thing called the Comics Code, and it ran anything sort of more realistic out of business because you could you couldn't express like so you can't publish westerns or um war comics when it's like right you can't have people being killed by recognizable violence or something like that you know and so on and so forth yeah so it's like well, yeah that's kind things. of the deal of those comics they're gun yeah. they're gunfights and you yeah. know so yeah, that's not okay uh, but horror can and, be silly and over the top and but the yeah, horror stuff but yeah. the horror stuff got really hit hard as well because then it was like oh because it's satanic and the macabre and black magic mm. and you shouldn't be expressing that and basically what they boiled it down to was is superheroes was kind of the only thing that anyone could publish that were exciting ah. because they were in a fantasy realm you know and it was like people being people they weren't necessarily killed but you know you could when you get into like outlandish supervillain plans people don't get killed it's yeah. not like someone getting shot in the street or something like that it's, and it comes up on screen but they're all okay really <laughs> yeah and they're all friends at the end that's it <laughs> and that's why that's why they never mention arkham asylum in uh adam west batman because at that point, it's like, well, it's got an asylum for the criminally insane. It's a bit heavy, in it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, and that's kind of, so all of these stories came from, uh, so they've all got titles because they were, sorry, so you've got All Through the House, which is the Joan Collins um, Chris, uh, Father Christmas one, yeah. which was mm -hmm. from a Vault of Horror, which was published in Vault of Horror in 1954, mm -hmm. uh, Reflection of Death, which is the which one is reflection? Oh, that's the one with the the bloke leaves his wife. Ian Henry yes. leaves his wife, and uh, that was published in Tales from the Crypt in fifty one. Poetic Justice, which is the Peter Cushion story, was mm. published in the Haunt of Fear in fifty two. Um, Wish favorite. you were here. Wish you were here. The the one with the um, oh the statue the monkey's poor one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was from The Haunt of Fear in 53. And Blind Alleys, well, I think we know which one that is, um, was uh, a, another Tales from the Crypt from 55. And um, yeah, so and I think Vault of Horror follows the same example. But the, the interesting thing was is all the EC Comics ones, is like you said, Chris, is they kind of are morality Mm. Okay. which is where horror comics kind of had to go in a weird way yeah in there order is a to make it acceptable like, wrong, you go to hell 
essentially. Yeah. And um, but it's I think this I don't know. It's I mean if we'd have um, it's a weird one because I think you get certainly like the first story is just a straight. There's nothing unusual or supernatural about it, apart from the fact that he's clearly telling her what she's done to go, you know, mm. apart from the Crypt Keeper element. But, um, yeah, and then they go a lot more, they go more supernatural. And sort of premonitions mm. as well, rather than... Mm. Mm. Uh, but uh, this one's definitely the one of the lesser seen ones. We... Um... Mm. When Jennifer and I were in Salem, we went to a place called Count Orlock, Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery. Yeah. Um, nice. So it was kind of waxworks, but it also had celebrity death masks and they had a pumpkin head out of the original Stan Winston mold and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Um, nice. If you ever find yourself in Salem, listeners, it's well worth an hour's walk around. It was really good. Um, but one of the things they did have was they had um, a... Uh, a wax of Peter Cushing as a zombie. Oh, mm. nice. And because it's such a little known one and so few people have seen it, the guy who runs the museum has actually got a hidden back pass. <laughs> hidden back pass. Yeah, don't, don't make this inappropriate. Um, basically, <laughs> you already have. <laughs> from where you enter and buy your tickets and he kind of stands, he's got a little way that he can basically walk around and come out behind you when you're looking at that exhibit because so few people recognise it. So you'll be standing looking at it, and all of a sudden he just pops up behind you and goes, do you know what it is? And you go, oh, shit. Um, yeah, and we, it's funny because we saw him do it to somebody else first, mm -hmm. and then he sort of disappeared, and then about 10 minutes later, we'd got through a few other things, and we got to that point, and he suddenly popped out again. Um, but yeah, I hadn't heard him say what it was, actually. So I was like, it looks like Peter Cushing, but as a zombie, but I don't think he ever was. And it wasn't until he said, actually, he was in town. And I was like, yeah, no, he's right. Now he's said it. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, and this is my favourite of the stories from this. I I really yeah. like... I mean, it's Peter Cushing, so it's, it's going to be a standard. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love it's, this story. It's something... Because... Uh, well, Claire watched this with me because, again, she's just digging anthology movies. I, I think mm. that it's one of the key components to, to enjoying horror films. An anthology movie is always there. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like right. I've got half. I've got an hour and a half. Yeah. Or if I but yeah, I'll bung that one on. You know, it's and you just in. I think as well because you don't have to get mm. too engrossed in the whole story. They're just short to the point. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, that was mm. good. Let's watch another one. Yeah. It warmed yeah. the cockles of my heart to hear Chris say that it felt. You know, it was like, oh no, it's quite. You know, it was comfortable. Yes. Or yeah. sort yeah. of, you know, like sort of you're welcoming, and mm. it's like, yeah, you, it's you, a, it's you, cozy you, you, horror. Which, when you consider what goes on in it, is quite impressive. Because, mm. I mean, Claire said there were elements of this that were like some of the sort of worst, not worst horror, but like extreme, actual, genuinely that's mm. oh, the, the dog, horrified and the blind one. Yeah. I only <laughs> remembered that, Adam, when you mentioned it earlier, because I've written in my notebook dog story unusual no idea we're going and i've been looking at it for the last hour going i've Can't no idea no and then when you mentioned it blind alley i went oh yeah, yeah. that was horrific <laughs> yeah because but again i think it's i mean there's so I mean, it's so many good actors but it's just also that 
that razor wall. Yeah. Yeah. It's so homemade. Mm. Yeah. And I, it's so, I yeah. made a note as well. How many blind men died making that? I was, yeah, I yeah. would want to make <laughs> it with my full sight. <laughs> Let alone, yeah. Because yeah. this was the, well, but, I said that I said that to Claire. I said uh, they, they've been through the fucking first aid kit by now. Because <laughs> no one's got any fingertips left, <laughs> having put, like tried to stick razors in a wall. It's just like what? I think I think what, what that one that? did. It, it was how long they drew that part of it out. Yeah. The others had horrible things. And if, and the one before, um, when the, the husband dies, it's the wishes one, and yeah. she brings him back, and then she tries to kill him again, and it's yeah. like that gets messy and rather horrific. But but it's it's fairly quick, so it's not yeah. you're not held on. Whereas that one, just the build of like they're doing something here, this is getting sinister. Yeah. And it's like, how far are they going to take it? Yeah, they're they're taking it like oh, further boy. than I was expecting. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be a fairly quick. They're going to get the dog in there. He's going to yeah. chomp him right. Okay, bit of Game of Thrones, not quite as full on as that. But and then it was like, oh, okay, no, they've gone further. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like it's like Claire said though. It's sort of like she said it does tend to put. Uh, she was like, oh, it puts it puts the blind guys in a sort of uh, in a you know in a pretty bad light. And I was. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I know, but they have been shouting. on. She was like, yeah, but what you're telling me is they've spent like seven days building this. Like yeah. clearly, like must be hurting themselves doing it. Yeah. And no, it's... and not one person has just turned around and gone, are we really going to do mm. this, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. This is, this is getting out of hand. No. And I thought I that they were talking to him. It's like, look, you're almost getting to know him a bit more now, you know, like you're still going to go through with it. No, yeah, you are. Great. It's because of Patrick McGee is so stern. Yeah, it's just, I I love him. I love him in this. He's but I, I love him in anything he fucking does. But just, yeah. in this, it's just he's so especially when he keeps starts calling him uh, Major Sir. Yeah, mm. like starts referring to him as if he is in the army, and it's yeah, it's actually and yeah, it's a fucking harsh harsh mm. uh, way to go. But again, it's all... As you say, you know, thinking back, like, these are the great, they are very harsh. When you then think, these were comic books designed for children in the 1950s, <laughs> and then you go, yeah, yeah I can no see wonder, it, there are people... America's screwed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did Trump read these as a boy? Yeah. <laughs> I just... Sadly, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it'd have been a much ra- more rounded human being. If no, maybe he read them, but he took. He would have learned the morals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, that's a good thing to do to people to talk to them." <laughs> so I keep the money as long as I make sure I never leave my dog alone for two seconds. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think weirdly enough, I think that would be the trouble. Is he'd take the he'd take it the other way. He'd take it from the offended party's point of view. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, if someone yeah. started feeding me shit, I'd starve their dog and fucking push them through a razor. <laughs> so that's the trouble, is he probably did read them and he was just like, yeah, good for those guys. They stuffed it to that man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, but he's that, I mean, that, I like that story, I think, but definitely my favourite is um, Peter Cushion, the poetic justice, because. I mean, it's that in its own little capsule. That is fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because Peter, because this was the thing is, I was, I was sort of thinking that 
because Claire was really surprised with Peter Cushing because obviously she she's seen Grand Moff Tarkin, she's seen <laughs> she's seen uh, Baron Frankenstein, and it's all you know it's usually villainy, mm. um, and then he is so fucking sweet in this. Mm -hmm. It's just a, a, a sort of. Uh, but I don't think any of the other horror guys could do it. Yeah. If you'd have put Christopher Lee in there, absolutely not. Because Christopher... They're camp and over the top, aren't they? I guess well, Christopher... doing their horror roles. And as you but say, think... this is a very straight role for him. Mm. But, he, it but was... I think... Yeah. But I think, I, I think also it's like Christopher Lee would be too authoritative. Yeah, he could not play... You would not think he was down man, from... Like, no, yeah, no, no way. Mm. And and I'll be and I'll be honest. This was the, this thought did cross my mind. Is I thought, and if you put Donald Pleasance in there, you'd immediately think, oh, he's a nonce. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that brown? Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm, not a, yeah. I'm not a stranger. I'm a clergyman. <laughs> and he, but yeah. So I don't think any of the other guys would sort of. Everyone would be a bit too creepy or something. And there's nothing. Mm. You know, it's just—it's how he—it's kind of how he plays Doctor Who because he's like very grandfatherly in those yeah. films because mm. they're early amicus, the kind of uh, amicus before they had the name. Um, but yeah, he is just and like when they take his dogs away, oh, and it's—it is so mm. heartbreaking. The the guy the the son, oh, like, Elliot. The opposite, yeah, Elliot mm. is is one of the worst fucking people you've ever seen in a horror film. Oh, He's literally... Gilmero del Toro level. Yeah. <laughs> Arsehole. I was shouting at the screen. I was like, why don't you go and get a fucking job or find something better to do with your time yeah. than fuck with this poor old man? Yeah. You've basically, you've basically found the anti-step toe <laughs> and you're just a prick to him? What's the fuck is wrong with you? And what's wrong with you, Dad? I was going to say, his father sees him, comes in and goes, what have you been doing now? I'm going to get that old man's dogs killed. Good on you. Yeah. No, not good on you, you piece of shit. What are you doing? Yeah. But it's, it's, also the, it's also the idea that that house is opposite the, like, Peter Cushing's house. Yeah. <laughs> like this mansion, and then obviously op opposite a terrace. That's where they put it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then... And the thing that got Claire, though, was when Peter Cushing comes back and it's the silent stalk nah. through the room is, is so fucking chilling. And it is still very gruesome what happens to Elliot. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of, but that, again, that's that sort of, it's the switch where it's like, oh, fucking hell, yeah, no. Pete Cushion knows what he's fucking doing. But yeah. I think, yeah, he's, again, I think it's it's weird because you've got, everything has that lovely, it has that lovely amicus thing as well where you get sort of level, degrees of seriousness. So mm. you will have more, over, you'll have a more overtly comic one, um, which actually is probably the, it is probably the guy who, the monkey's poor one, the guy who doesn't yeah. die. Is probably the comedy one, which says a lot for this as a film because it's still pretty hard. <laughs> See, I Without found the first one the comedy one because it's just the, the mm. whole, I, I, 
I did, know, yeah. I, like that was quite... Where she's totally brought it on herself. You can't feel in the yeah. slightest bit sorry for her and she deserves no. everything mm-hmm. she's going to get. What is, oh, by the way, did you recognise the uh, the daughter? Yes. Carol? Yes. Yeah, from The Uncanny. Oh, is she in The Uncanny? I, mm-hmm. I recognised her. I'm pretty sure she is also in Asylum. She's the daughter of Christopher Lee, the one who mm. plays the witch. I think she is. Yeah, that's what I recognise. She is, yeah. <laughs> so she obviously, again, Amicus did this. They, yeah, they kind of had <laughs> their little, like, uh, uh, like hammer. Yeah, they had their set of actors and they'd kind of bring out whoever they liked who they'd worked with before. And put do you on... think she was just the daughter of one of the producers? And, you know, <laughs> yeah. He's like, come on, Very come possibly. and do this. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't think she went on to. I don't think she went on to do much past like basically adulthood. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, she. I don't think she pursued acting as a career. Shame. She's but... not bad. For, again, considering how much a kid can ruin a, a scene. I oh think yeah, she's pretty good. She's fairly solid. Yeah, uh, she did ruin it by letting Santa in, though, who's actually a homicide maniac. <laughs> well, but I guess. Yeah. <laughs> also, I love. I love. I mean, I- Ted had a. Um, oh, what was he drinking? Lager, shandy, just shandy <laughs> at his age. Yeah. Tequila slammers. Uh, <laughs> no, no um, Christmas. What was it? <laughs> He was drinking Oasis, an Oasis, which yeah. like, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, but he didn't, like, he didn't like it much either, to be honest. <laughs> but I, but uh, so I was washing up, I I poured it out because there was still quite a lot left in there, and that looked more realistically like blood than the blood the, in the Joan <laughs> Collins yeah. story. Oh, it's pain, um, isn't it? Red paint, yeah. But that sort of made it more fun in a way. It's like okay, exactly. I, I don't mind that. It's like it just it's it, part of it. But again, I I do feel that there is that element to it because you see other bits. I mean, like the the heart in Poetic mm. Justice yeah. that still yeah. oh, that's great. Yeah, it's really good. So you know, it's not so. Maybe there is that sort of thing where it's like, well, we'll keep this. There's the levity we'll put in this, especially mm. when it's like just because at first I was like, I I forgot that obviously she pushes the body down the stairs. Mm. <laughs> By the way, that guy is also in. Uh, he plays a really annoying politician in uh, the Sea Devils, and um, yeah, if it is, if he's, if it's that thing of all characters, all actors play the same character over and over again, he deserves getting a fucking poker to the head. He's a prick. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I love the the I love the economy of it. It's not something that works now, but I love the economy of the. You know, an escaped lunatic has been left in the area. Uh, he is dressed as Santa Claus, and the public are urged not to pr- not to uh, approach. And then it's a, the newspaper, and you've got the. Uh, it's like oh, it's the oh that was it. Yeah, and they live in a town called Burley, and their newspaper's called the Burley Observer. And it's like that's just being stalked by a fat bloke, isn't it? <laughs> which kind of, in a weird way, thematically works. You know, you've got yes, a lot because he's, he's a fairly big fella, that escape lunatic who's yeah. uh, dressed as Santa. So maybe he is the burly observer. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I, but I forgot that she throws it down the stairs, but I forgot that she was um, scooping the blood into the glass to yeah. put it near him. Yeah. I just thought that's how she decided to collect it. I'm sitting there going, chatting at the screen. Just 
wrap up the fucking newspaper. <laughs> You're crying out. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. I misjudged you. Sorry. I misjudged the person who stole someone's head in with a poker while their daughter is still awake. Yes. <laughs> That's the bit that gets me is the fact she leaves her daughter upstairs and then yeah. starts pottering around in the rest of the house, opening her Christmas present and having a little drink. And I'm like, She's going to come down. It's Christmas Eve. If a kid is ever going to get out of bed and it shouldn't, it's on Christmas Eve. You're asking for it. You just it's also, get focused. It's also when podcasting sometimes as well. So. <laughs> See, if she'd have locked the girl in the room, then it would have all been all right. <laughs> or in a dog cage. Um, I always forget as well, the very quick uh, camp, well, not cameo, uh, but Jeffrey Bowden in this. Oh, yes. Like, like for such a short... So you've got the Crypt Keeper and he literally just brings you in to introduce you to the Crypt Keeper and then he's gone for the rest of the film. Oh, I could have, I, I could always do with more of him always, but... I think he could have he been brilliant as the Crypt Keeper. I like Ralph Richardson. Yeah. Um, and actually, if we'd have, if circumstances had been right, um, we'd have recorded this yesterday, we would have recorded on Ralph Richardson's birthday. Oh, yes. I love so that. Oh, happy birthday, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday, Ralph. He's amazing. But, but he's uh but I um he's the chief rabbit in Watership Down. Oh mm. I, know that. I knew I knew I knew that would I knew that for Chris and Jennifer that would be oh, yeah. one. We can't we're not watching uh, it though, just you know <laughs> I can't ever watch it again. He's the supreme being. In Time Bandits, that's what I always think of him. But so he's basically played God and the Devil, because yeah. he's basically the Devil in the in, as the Crypt Keeper. And mm. um, his first role, Lee, was in um, the Ghoul, the Boris Karloff Ghoul. Really? Yeah, he's um, who is he in it? Nigel Hartley. I don't know because I don't really remember the film that well. I need to rewatch that. I love that film. It's it, mm. yeah, it's one thirty-three. Yeah, it's really, yeah. You oh. bought it for me. I've never heard of it. You mm. bought it for me out of a pound shop somewhere, and I was like, oh well, you know, it's got a good cast. I'll stick it on. And I was like, well, that's one of the best black and white horror films I've possibly ever seen. It's fantastic. <laughs> it go. was also the first film they ever showed on the Horror Channel. Oh, oh is it? Yeah, nice. But um, because it was free, I mean, probably. Oh, yeah. in a pound shop, it Public must have been domain, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, and he's in one of my absolute fucking favourite films of all time, The Bed Sitting Room. Yeah. He is Lord <laughs> Faulkner, the man who turns into The Bed Sitting Room. Um, <laughs> and he's in Oh Lucky Man. He's in a film called Whoever Slew Auntie Rue, which is like some murder, mystery, Ooh. horror thing that could be good that. i don't know like and he's in the wrong box that peter cook and michael kane and dudley moore and like the comedy um it's not the poe adaption it's but it, they've just because i'll know the poe adaption is the poe adaption is is there an Edgar Allan poe story called the wrong box uh, the or have I made oblong box Thank you, because I was thinking I've just made that up, and I. And again, and I, it's talk. another one of those ones that's the uh, the Poe ones that's uh, basically they've taken the name and then made up an entire story that's got nothing whatsoever to do with the short yeah. story. It's, yeah, yeah, because the short story is literally just the buried alive one, isn't it? It's the yeah. person wakes up in the coffin and realizes they're in a coffin. Yeah, and it's like yeah, that's the yeah. Let's make a movie out of that. Uh, <laughs> well, <there's, laughs> we've got like this four volume 
like series here of like <laughs> no 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 not that no I don't mean that. <laughs> but like you say yeah Jeffrey Bolden it would have been nice if he'd have come in as Cap Weasel if he'd have been yeah he'd he'd been the crypt keeper but yeah and I I so I'm doing the research for this it's Jeffrey Bolden it's Cap Weasel I'm sitting there going bird of night hoot not mayhap mayhap <laughs> and um. <laughs> But he's he has two hundred and twenty five credits on IMDb. What? Wow. It's like because because he does turn up in loads of stuff. He's in loads of horror movies. He's in yeah. Um, he was he was in. He, he, I mean, most tell he was in Doctor Who. He was the Crow Man in Wurzel Gummidge. He was the man who built Wurzel Gummidge. Yeah, and was equally quite sinister and odd in that as well. He was that because I remember. I remember watching Words of Gummies and just always being like, right, what's what's this guy's deal? <laughs> it was it was always because Wurzel was clearly afraid of him. But he was kind of like afraid of him in the way that you'd be afraid of if God kept turning up. <laughs> so it's yeah, it, and he's in Asylum, House of Drip Blood, so more anthology treats. Yeah. Um in Frankenstein must be destroyed, he's in Dracula, Camp on Blood Island. Um, he's the governor in Porridge, obviously. Yeah. You know. Ah, yes. Buck, uh, buck, uh, buck Tarbrush. Yes. <laughs> um, he's in Monster Club. He's in the original Casino Royale as Q. Mm. Uh, Stepped on some Pink Panther. Um, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. And I have to mention this mostly for um, Sarah and uh, Pimble Bobby. Um, he is the waiter in Born to Boogie, which was uh, t- basically bands make films. They're always something and nothing. And T-Rex made a film and Mark Bone was right, right, I want this character to be played by. And he's basically the linking device of the whole film. It's got, there's no plot. There's nothing. It's just <laughs> concert footage stitched together with like him and Ringo Starr prattling around in a field. Like Mark Molan and Ringo Starr, but their waiter is Jeffrey Bowden, and he is magnificent in it. Nice. And apparently, and apparently, Jeffrey Bowden recalled, recalled the story of he was sitting in the back of Ringo Starr's Rolls Royce with Ringo Starr and Mark Bowden, and Mark Bowden kept shouting out to people in, in traffic, Yes, that's right, it's us, and we've got the guy who played Cat Weasel with us. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and but he, yeah, I mean, he, he's gonna he's gonna crop up again because, again, as soon as I watch an Amicus anthology, it's like right, we watch all Amicus anthologies, and that's it. We become the <laughs> Amicus podcast. Welcome to Amicus. I, I'm exactly the same. Having watched this, I was like, how long do we have to leave it before we can squeeze another Amicus movie in? Because I just, you know, it, the fact that Chris. Is so adhered to them mm. as well as is Jennifer. Mm. I just mm. how many are there? How many amicus? So the anthology movies. Yeah. I think there's six. Okay, oh, right. I, thought wow. I think you've got. So you've got Vault of Horror, Tales from the Crypt, um, oh, uh, Monster Club, which isn't amicus but is amicus. Yeah, it's but name. Um, Asylum, House That Drip Blood. So yeah, oh, no, no. So that's oh, five. Uh, and now the screaming starts. Oh, is that is that antho- is that an anthology or is it the one? Because they did because they also did like because 
they did um, uh, Beast Must Die, didn't they? they I did, think, yeah. I think, yeah. And now the screaming starts, and I think that's the one about the disembodied hand um, that pokes people's eyes out. Uh, but it's like a whole, it's like a whole film. Uh, it's like one story. It's not an anthology thing. I think because I'm pretty sure that the marvellous site BritishHorrorFilms.co.uk their review of it was because, like I say, disembodied hand that blinds people, and their review of it was, "Aye, aye, that's Andy." <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. So I must be confusing that with something else because that is in the Amicus box set, and I've not watched it in ages. So I've got a feeling you might be thinking of House That Drip Blood. That's the one with yeah. John Pertwee and the Vampire Crate. Yeah. But, yeah, so they, I mean, they did five. You've got, I mean, and, and from around the same time, you've got uh, Tales of Witness Madness. You've got, I mean, we've done, we did Tales of Terror. Doc, oh, and, of course, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. So there is six. Yeah, so there's six. That's Yeah, that's the ones. And, um, but, yeah, there's, I mean, they are, they're a real staple of, there's not many other, genres that really do them um but i mean there's some great obscure i mean there's uh, what i'd love to cover um grim prairie tales i've not seen is, that it's a western mm. uh, it's a western themed horror anthology um well, that's, and, that's a bit unique and the wraparound story is two guys doing uh telling tales around the campfire and the two guys are James L. Jones and Brad Dourif. Right, that's it. Stick Whoa. it on the list. Nice. Yeah, that's got to go on the list. That's on there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this, that's the reason I bought the, um, uh, the documentary as well, like I was talking about, because there are so many, you know, good and bad, but mainly good. Yeah. Mm. Um, anthology films out there and I genuinely think it is the case that even if you don't get along with one story you know so I there's, think there's something there for everyone probably yeah mm. although I, it's a weird one because you also get stuff well there's spirits sorry spirits of the dead I've just remembered that um but you get that weird sort of I think it's one of those ones that goes weirder when um you have different directors yeah mm. I mean, something like Dead of Night is, I think, four different directors. I think one guy does the wraparound and one of the stories, and then it's so on and so forth. Hmm. Um, but that has a real unity to it and everything. But all the amicus ones tend to be a single director. Yeah. And actually, there's a, a sort of like a later, a, the later period with horror anthologies, like the sort of, well, 2000s onwards, really. Mm. is you would people were using them to showcase yeah so you would have three different right. stories by three different directors and in those circumstances i think you are more likely to be well i didn't care for that story but i've got this up there's this other one mm. um and i mean there's stuff like i mean even like the abcs of death there's tales of halloween which is like i think that's like 26 odd stories uh, yeah i was gonna say there's one came out this year as well um I saw it mentioned, but I kind of skipped past it. And then Tiffany Shepis uh, posted that she's in one of the stories, uh, Death Semba, which I believe oh, wow. is 24 stories. 
running up <laughs> to Christmas, a different director and a different story each day. I wonder. I wonder if that's similar then to the the uh, Tales of Halloween because I know she's in one of the stories on that as well. She is, yeah, yeah, the trick or treaters. Mm. Yeah, but there's so there are so many, and it's such a flexible format. Yeah, and really, and I mean, essentially, it does kind of really date back to the EC comics because it is that thing of you would have, and then they become an anthology series. Yeah. And even, I mean, other stuff, I mean, we haven't even really touched the American anthology market where you've got stuff like Creep Show yeah. and, um, oh, what was the one? Uh, actually, oh, yeah, that was something that came up as well was that uh, Stephen King and George Romero were going to remake Tales from the Crypt. And that mm -hmm. became Creep Show. Ah. I think basically they just got sort of, oh, you know, they sort of got together and it was like, well, we could remake it, but actually I've got this idea and I've got that. And, and yeah, so they end up doing And then you've got stuff like, what is it? Two Evil Eyes, Cat's Eye. Um, yeah, even Tales from the Hood's fucking great. And yeah. there, it's, there, there's so many sort of out there that... And, it, and you know, it, it's still being done brilliantly now, as we mentioned earlier, mm. Krampus. Trick or treat, like yeah, what an absolutely perfect anthology, and it's it it feels worlds apart from something like this. But ultimately, this is what it was drawing on. It was that idea of we'll do separate stories with a wraparound, and we'll mm. we'll find a way of tying them all in. But that just went a step further and genuinely tied all the stories into one another, so they're all interconnected. And but yeah. I mean, it's the same format effectively, just just mm. given that little extra twist. Because that's the thing is, I think also you live not uh, you. Um, the good thing is that the wraparound story, you can either have it really, you know, it's it doesn't matter if that's basic. Yeah. Because a lot, a lot of a lot of the amicus ones. I mean, basically, it's a lot of people get in a room and find out they're in hell. Yeah. <laughs> because mm, they died. They find out they're there because <laughs> they died. That's all. I yeah. <laughs> And it's sort of, yeah, so, uh, but, yeah, something like Trick or Treat really, you know, they go the Pulp Fiction route of it, where it's like, it's all interconnected and, you know, characters are minor or even supporting artists in other segments and stuff yeah. like that. And they, you know, All the stories really, seem to evolve together, yeah. Yeah, it's mm. really, really well done. But, I mean, I think, and that's the good thing, I mean, even, uh, what was the one, the Mortuary Collection that I watched recently? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That that again, I think that's that's an example of one that has that it has that more sort of eighties, nineties uh feel to it. And all the better for it because they're you know, they there's some brilliant films from it, and that is a really great little collection as well. It is fantastic. And as you say, it has got that, that newer thing where the wraparound story used to just be effectively a booking of mm. here are five people, they're in a room. Why are they in the room? This is what's actually happened, and it's a very close. Yeah, whereas Trick or Treat and Mortuary Collection then take the the wraparound story and give you an extra 10, 15 minutes at the end, which brings it all together and gives you an extra mm. twist in the tail on the whole thing. Um, mm. Yeah, I've just realised that I have not said body bags. No, you haven't. There's another fucking great one. Yeah, I, what that. Body bags is John Carpenter. Is that and George Romero as well? I think it is. Yeah, and but that's like I think that's that's like three stories. But that's 
brilliant. That genuine. And in that, John Carpenter plays the, the Crypt Keeper role. Yeah. Basically, he talks to Cabra and introduces them all, but he's made up as this um, coroner. That's pretty good. I'd quite like to see that, just for that. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a great little collection as well. Mark Hamill is in mm. one of the stories. If you need... Oh, is it, right? Stick it, put it on the list right now. We've got Mark two Hamill, Star Wars referenced. I think Stacey Keach is in the middle story as well, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, real, it, it's really underrated. It's very little known. It didn't come out on DVD for ages, so it was one of those, when it came out, I, I thought... Do you know what? If it's only just been released, that probably means it's a load of turd and nobody wants to watch it. So that's what. And then Adam kept on about it. So I watched it and I was like, no, it's really, really solid. It's fantastic. Yeah. I think. And again, it's something that a lot of a lot of good horror directors are involved. Mm. You know, they, they because I think, again, they they just picked up on that. Well, I've got rather than. Let's 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 go the Lovecraft route of or the poem route where it's like right. This is a, this is a two line page. Well, I reckon we should do three movies out of that. Yeah. I reckon we get a trilogy. <laughs> Whereas some of the more astute guys are just going, well, that's not going to make a film. But if, but we've got three really good episodes here that we can yeah. put into a film. And actually, the 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 there's obviously Tales from the Crypt was a, a TV series. Um, and that was actually, um, it was uh, produced by, uh, created by Robert Zemeckis, but he, um, and, but uh, this version, this Tales from the Crypt, the one we're talking about, is his favourite Halloween movie. That's the movie he always watches at Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? And so that's why he called it the series. And apparently the second episode of, of that series was an adaption of All Through the House, like the... Uh, uh, murder centre. I said to Jennifer, I had the Fangoria uh, that had <laughs> their Santa on the front cover, and he was like the, the Santa in this is pretty creepy. The Santa in that is unnecessarily, unnecessarily <laughs> horrific. It's like dirty grey axe. His teeth are all different shapes and colours. He, he's got a really strange shape. For, oh, it's just horrible. They've just got to go and put loads of prosthetics on it. And it is absolutely horrendous looking. He gave me nightmares. It might just be his face. Um, yeah, no, like, oh, it, the makeup and everything, his skin's all blotchy. Oh, it's just, it, Google it, it'll turn your stomach. Yeah. I'm Please telling you. Please show me. Because I've got to show you this. Look. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was it called? Uh, so it's called An All Through the House, and it was from the Tales from the Crypt TV series. Because there's, because um, and there are obviously you've got stuff. I mean, I always enjoy anthology series. Yeah. So you've got stuff, obviously, like Twilight Zone, Night Gallery. Um, it's just and that's just the Rod Serling ones, but obviously you have stuff like Tales from the Crypt, which obviously led to Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, and Tales from the um, does that count? Yeah, no, definitely, because yeah, I think yeah. I think Tales from the Crypt. That's a, like like Lee said. I was actually shocked that Jennifer hadn't seen it before because this feels like Tales from. This is the most. Tales from the Unexpected feeling yeah, like of, that, the amicus, nice. of the Amicus lot. As Chris said at the start, it's yeah, that, that sort of warmer end, isn't it, of horror. 
movies. Well, I think, yeah. I think it's also because it's populated with TV actors as well, because it'd always be that thing with Tales from the Unexpected. They get a big name. Yeah. And then a lot of good TV stalwarts yeah. would be surrounding that person. And, but, and which is the criteria. It's always like there's a, there's a big name, you know, hence it's the Joan Collins one, the Peter Cushing one. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's odd. But, um, yeah, I, I cannot see... I can't see us ever covering enough anthology movies. <laughs> I absolutely agree. And I, I mean, we need to cover all of the Amicus ones, particularly because, yes, as we said, they, they just because there are so many stories in there, even if there is a duff vignette in there, it's 15 minutes you don't like out of an hour and a half. Mm. Like, yeah. And, and, yeah. And because of that, I think every single one of them is an absolute classic and I couldn't be without them there. It's, there's an interesting experiment. We might have to do it for an episode once we've covered all the Amicus ones or something like that. Is could you make the ultimate an, like Amicus anthology? Ah, yes, <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah, yes. This this was something that Claire had suggested, and what uh, she suggested it would be called. Uh, now that's what I call anthology, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where you just get like the five. You know, you go through Vault of Horror Tales and Asylum and everything else like that, put them together, and you have like, yeah, like a best of. That's a great idea. Maybe this should be your Easter, you know, kind of uh, chat show, as it were. Yeah, our favourite, <laughs> yeah, vignettes of of uh, anthology movies. Yeah, what would you cut and paste? Well, as I mentioned before, I would take the first two stories straight out of Vault of Horror. Yeah. Uh, so Torture Garden. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? I've got Torture Garden. I've never gotten around to watching it. It's great. It is Amicus. Ah. Oh, is it? Ah. Torture Garden's Amicus, so that's seven. Ooh. I think. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> We're going to do this all happened. night. We're going to be texting each other back and forth again. We didn't mention that one. Bollocks. <laughs> Gen genuinely, I, I forget what I was watching. It was whenever, it was whatever anthology we watched last before this. And. Um, like Claire was saying how much she liked them, and I was like, well, there's loads of anthology films. And when I just Googled it as just like a Wikipedia page or whatever like that, you literally just scan through it going, oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> I have to look that up. And then you sort of, you know, there, there were a couple there where it was like, well, I've never heard of that. What's happening? And, well, but I'm, yeah, you just realised. <laughs> I've still not seen um, Blood on Satan's Claw um, and I yeah. didn't realise that, that you said that was an anthology film, and because I've never seen it, I didn't... Originally, so... originally it was. It's adapted. What it was is they had three stories, and then almost like the sort of, I suppose, kind of like the process with Trick or Treat, is that they kind of formed it into one narrative. But it is essentially you get segments... As it's as it's told, so it's like an but, embedded one rather than yeah. a wrap around with. See, and that's what intrigues me. So I'm definitely getting in the new year. I've made that one, my resolution. I'm going to dig that film out and find it. We okay. should. Well, we'll definitely have to cover it on the show just because it's a fantastic. Because we've not done much folk horror really. Because we've still not done the Wicker Man, for example. We so you know, but so there's, uh, but again, it's a very it's a great example of folk horror and yeah, just a brilliant movie. And 
if you've got the right DVD, afterwards you can watch the commentary with the League of Gentlemen. Yeah. Mm. Which is both informative and just basically degenerates into polarity. So. That's why in the new year I'm going to buy it because I, I want to see the film. And mm. if I want to see the film, I'd need to hear the commentary as well. So it, it's on my list. So uh, yeah. January sales are going to get smacked with that somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, Seems like we've got a pretty good lineup for next year then. Oh, we certainly have. And, and on that note, um, we, oh, sorry, just very quickly, because I've just seen it on my shelf and I forgot all about it. Um, <clears throat> previous uh, interviewee on our one interview show that we did when we covered mm. um, uh, It's My Party and I'll Die If I Want To by Tony Wash. Uh, mm. Skeletons in the Closet, his anthology yeah. uh, yes, Halloween course, yeah. movie. Love the crap out of that. Um, it's one of those, again, because I've mentioned it so much, I watch it fairly frequently, but I don't mention it because I watch it so frequently. It's like, you know, every three months it'll be like, yep, watch that again. So I try not to bring films up too much that I, I watch frequently, but that's fine. Um, so for next week's episode, much to my dismay, spoiler alert, um, Adam has requested after we covered Night of the Living Dead, um, he thinks that Chris should see all of the of the Living Dead films. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, I hate them. Adam loves it. Oh, he agreed to do one every ten. Is this a cheery New Year? Mm, and I can't enough. work out how the <laughs> fuck it's been ten weeks. Lee, just to reassure you, if you want to put this up, if you want to put it off, because remember, there's no point in starting the new year unless it's the way that you intend to start <laughs> the new year. Shouting, um, sweary, <laughs> angry at goblin. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, that's pretty much. But. <laughs> But no, I believe I believe the I believe our current episode, uh, th- this episode, I think is episode eight or nine. Okay. But I think it's episode eight. So, okay. Reprieve. Whoo! How quickly? Go on. You know you you know you said about it earlier, but exactly how quickly could we do another Amicus anthology movie? Next week, we could definitely one hundred percent do one next week. It's Christmas present to us all. We yes. We all do one and we would all be happy about it. Um, and actually, as Claire is enjoying them so much, would Claire mind watching the next one and joining us for the episode? Oh, that'd be I'll good. See if she's, I'll, see, I'll see if she's happy to do so. If she's agreeable to join us. Well, Boris said I can't do fuck all else. You're the last resort. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always everyone's last resort. It's fine. Um, yes. So we have. So if we have, we have Amicus laid out in front of us. We have Torture Garden. We have. We think we do have Vault of Horror. No, no is, it, wait, is, is Torture Garden anything to do with the nightclub Torture Garden? Absolutely not. They they didn't take anything from that with extraordinary eyebrows. (laughs) See, see, that's the thing. Is obviously for Lee and Jennifer that was a bit of a moment, but for you, Chris, you were not phased when suddenly out of the blue, I just went torture guard. Chris just thought thought I was having a flashback. (laughs) 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 Flashbacks. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) 
No, I, th- I think another Amicus film, as we're all uh, dealing with the shock of Tier 4 lockdown and we all need a little yes. bit of cheering up, two Amicus films back-to-back is possibly the way to go. That's what the doctor ordered. Absolutely. And, uh, Adam, I'm happy to defer to you and let you entirely choose which one we do next. Well, I just want to double-check. Did you and Jennifer watch Vault of Horror? We did. After after things. So do would you want to do Vault of Horror? Because I'm quite keen to just watch Vault of Horror. But... I'm more than happy to talk about that Chris film. Like it well. I think uh, I'm it. quite keen to watch it, yeah. Yep. Vault of Horror, then. It's got to be. It's Amicus. Oh. It's Terry fucking Thomas. Yeah. Surprise. And I will, and I'll leave you mm. with two words: Fenton Breedley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Baker as well, Tom Baker. Yeah, the Baker, the Baker. See, this Captain is Redbeard Rum. See, and that's what it was. The thought of him that made me think we need to get Claire to come do the next one because yeah, I know that Dr. she's Who, a big mm. fan about yeah. Doctor Who. So, um, yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to see un, under usual circumstances. I was telling you, thanks to Doctor Who that we're together. But now I just think it's because neither of us wants to move. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right. So thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. Um, as I alluded to earlier, I'm going to try my best under present conditions to get this out uh, before Christmas and so maybe Christmas Eve. Um, so there won't be one the day after Boxing Day. Uh, so I will get it out early, but you might have to wait like 10 days for the next episode. Um, well, I think if we say that our next episode will be up in the new year. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, but then everyone will have new toys to play with. Oh, no one will listen to podcasts, so you're all right. We'll see you through till then, Pete. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So go and check out Vault of Horror. Um, if you hadn't already, then definitely go and check Tales from the Crypt. It's an absolute classic and uh, recommend from all of us. Don't Absolutely. To... Spoil most of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to go and listen to the Not For Everyone podcast. Uh, look forward to the Oblong Babysitter coming out in the new year. Um, and go and check out the Uncanny Collective. Um, yeah. Some great uh, horror theatre especially in lockdown. I don't know whether you can possibly pay and see the stuff that they've put mm, up live. So. No. I think it was that. I don't know. Ah, yeah. well, follow them on Instagram anyway, because they look really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. And good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Merry Christmas. Good. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, God bless us, everyone. I was going to bring my Should we sing a... Shake it, and I forgot. Yeah, don't, don't you want to sing a nice Christmas later. carol? Technology, honey. Just ding What I mean later. is, that oh. was my bell bell you just heard. Yeah. I brought it. Bear bell. <laughs> no one wants to hear that ringing, do they? Don't mind hearing it as long as I have to smell it. <laughs> Help me! I can't leave the house. I'm just <laughs> Help! That's this week's Easter egg, I think. Yeah.